All right, so welcome back, everyone. You're truly Dr. Barry Pierre. Welcome to another edition of the weekly Real Physician Reacts, Dr. Reacts. This week, this was a highly requested topic. Highly requested topic. We are talking about high blood pressure. If you're catching the podcast episode tomorrow, whenever you catch the podcast episode, I definitely suggest you join us here on TikTok to get any questions or comments uh, responded to. Tonight we are talking about high blood pressure. I have an article from the I think it's uh I think it's from the American Heart Association. Why high blood pressure is a silent killer. Now I can tell you as a practicing physician, as a pre-med student, medical student, this is what we always refer to as high blood pressure. Like high blood pressure, silent killer. Like the two things just kind of went hand in hand. And of course, when I'm a pre-med and I don't know any better. I'm like, why do they call high blood pressure a silent killer? Like, why is it like, especially because we talk about it all the time. Like, it's probably one of the most talked about diagnosis that, you know, every time you go to the doctor's office, guess what's the one of the things they're likely going to do? They're going to check your blood pressure. Right. So it's not like we don't know about blood pressure. So it's not like it's something some obscure disease that you know, one in every 10 million people get it. No, this is an extremely common disease. But even as extremely common as it is, we still refer to it as the silent killer. So like I always do with these weekly episodes, I like to kind of start with a personal patient story so you can kind of get the idea of the significance. So here I have, when I was an outpatient doctor, taking care of a 34-year-old gentleman, 34-year-old, Worked out four times a week, um, extremely fit, right? Like just one of those muscular build type um, guys. And he came to the office because he was just kind of having headaches and didn't understand why, especially when he went to the gym. Now, when I tell you when the, the second my medical assistant checked his blood pressure, she was shocked and she doesn't get shocked a lot. Like she's seen it, she's done it. He walked in with a blood pressure over 200. Now again, and a lot of times I know, especially when you go online and people see people who are typically overweight, they always say, oh man, you got heart issues. Like they always kind of blame that, right? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for joining. But here this guy who from the outside looking in, look fit, you, he, he, you know, muscular, short, you know, short sleeve shirt, all of that. And he was a walking time bomb. He had no clue. And I asked him, of course, which I always ask, oh, have you ever checked your blood pressure? It's like, is that the thing you don't normally do? And of course, just like what most people do, especially in our 30s, because if we feel fine, then we are fine, especially for my men. You know, I've, I've talked, I spent a whole month talking about Men's Health Month. If we feel fine, we are fine. So of course, he never came to see us, never came, never stuck his hand into the pharmacy, checked his blood pressure, didn't do any of that because for his eyes, he was like, now nah, I am good, right? But here we go, right? I'm checking his blood pressure. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, someone asked if I had blood pressure. I do. Thankfully, I don't. Um, and we'll talk about that a uh, couple of reasons why. So blood pressure 200. Now, of course, first things first. I got to decide if I'm going to send you to a hospital right from my office. Like that is how severe it is. And of course, in his mind, he's like, all I had was headaches. Like, I, you know, I'm okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you are about to either have a stroke or you're about to have a heart attack. One of these things are about to happen if we don't do something ASAP. 
Now, typically in most outpatient doctor's office, we have a medication called clonidine. We'll talk a little bit about it, but it's a medication that we give when we need that emergence, like we need to emergently bring your blood pressure down. So we give you the clonidine. So we gave him the clonidine, sat his blood pressure, you know, it got down to about 180 and he was feeling a little bit better. But I still sent him to the hospital because I'm like, if your pressure is spiking up in 200s, that's a problem. And someone asked, Indian lover said, hey, what is a high, what number is high for blood pressure? So in the textbook, let's all just bring out the textbook. The textbook way to think saying, if your blood pressure, top number, which is what we call the systolic, is above 130 or the bottom number is above 80, you have high blood pressure. Like, so that is the textbook way of looking at it. Above 130 for the top number, above 80 for the bottom number, you have high blood pressure. Now, of course, there are other people who, they typically live in a blood pressure in the low 90s, 100s. If their pressure shoots up to like 125, 130, they may feel a problem in and of itself. Um, his blood, oh, the, uh, the guy, the guy's blood pressure that I was referencing came in at 200, we were able to give him medication to bring it down to 180. Bring it down to 180, felt comfortable enough where he said, okay, now we could probably send you to the ER and feel comfortable that you're not about to stroke out right now. Because this is why, especially when we talk about blood pressure, why we consider it a silent killer. Our body, our body does an amazing job taking care of blood pressure, an amazing job. It will let you go to 130, 140, 160. It will let you go that high and then they'll just say, hey, you know what? I'm cool. Like, I can't do with this anymore. Boom. And once it gets to that point, <laughs> guess what happens? You have the stroke. You have the heart attack. Now, of course, those are the, 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 the worst case scenarios. A lot of times as you're going through the climb, you may have some shortness of breath. You may have some chest pain or chest discomfort. You may have some headaches or dizziness. You may have some telltale signs that are saying, hey, hey. I really can't deal with what I'm having to deal with. But a lot of people just kind of either brush it off or again, they're symptomatic, AKA silent killers. So they don't really pay it any mind until they see me in the hospital after their first heart attack. So it is one of those things, especially when we talk about blood pressure and we'll, we'll give some, we'll get some numbers, right? Cause I like to give numbers to keep people in perspective of what we're dealing with, right? Globally, globally, 1.13 billion people have high blood pressure. 45% of people in this country have high blood pressure. But this, let's, this, like, so think about that. 45% of people in this country have high blood pressure. Only 25% of those people who we know have high blood pressure actually have it controlled. So 45% of the country, that's about 108 million people have high blood pressure. About 25 to 33% of those people actually have blood pressure that we would consider controlled. And then there's a segment of the population who are walking around. And some people may know some of these people. Some people uh, may be aware of some of these people who are walking around and have no clue that their blood pressure is high. Again, so we don't have to tell on ourselves here on the live tonight. But like, when's the last time, like, y'all checked y'all blood pressure, right? I'm seeing someone said 135 or 78. I like that. Um, someone said they were diagnosed at age 25. Thankfully, control the meds. We love that. Appreciate it. There's a lot of people walking around here who have no clue what their blood pressures are. They're just kind of just wandering out. Like me, I can't go past a pharmacy and not put my hand and not put my hand in there. Right? 
Someone says, please don't give medical advice if you're not an MD. I, I, I 100% agree. In fact, even if you are an MD, right, be careful with the medical advice you give uh, online, right? Because people may use it to get to, right? Um, I'm not sure she realizes that I'm a physician, but I'm assuming she's just talking in general. Um, someone says that they were diagnosed at 35. Someone says me, uh, me and Miss <laughs> Enlodipine. Hi, Dr. Dooley. Me and Miss Enlodipine are longtime friends. Enlodipine is a great blood pressure medication. It's a great blood pressure medication. And what how what do I classify as great blood pressure medications? Medications that are easy to take, either one time a day, twice a day, and more importantly, medications that are cheap. Because it's one thing to have the best medication to treat whatever disease I'm talking about. If that medication costs you an arm and a leg, and you gotta decide whether I'm going to eat dinner, feed my kids or take the medication, like I'm gonna like gonna eat dinner, right? I'm gonna feed my kids. So whenever I can get a medication that works amazing and is cheap, which means the general population can take it, uh, I'm, I'm good for it. Um, you know, I'm saying, oh, we got, we got hydrochlorothiazide being uh, said here. Um, someone said, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, blood, blood, uh, old school uh, blood pressure reading at Walgreens, definitely. Uh, someone says, uh, because you said uh, BP was 180. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the systolic, uh, no conate, um, or top number uh, for uh, the layman's people. Uh, Valsarin, that's another good one, um, can cause layman's disease. Oh, so let's let's talk about this, right? So let's talk about, because I see people are asking about like some causes. So when I'm thinking about blood pressure, I split it up into two different categories when I'm explaining it to my patients. Causes that you can change and causes you can't do nothing about. Right, so let's focus on the causes you can't do nothing about. Age, we know that age is a significant risk factor. The older you are, the more likely you are to have some blood pressure. But we're seeing, if you look at these comments, some people are getting a 25, 35, 30, like it is not an old person's disease. And that's what I really like hope to get us out of that. Thinking that this is some, when we talk about blood pressure diet, like this is not an old person's disease. Even though, mind you, I just turned 40, right? So I'm at the age now where I can look at, like, I'm looking at other folks like they're the young whippersnappers, right? Like y'all young, y'all youngers don't know. Back in my day, I'm at like that age, which is kind of funny uh, when I think about it. Oh, shout out to Listen to Pro, that was a good one. Um, so it's not an old person's disease. Right, this is not a disease that you can walk around in your twenties and thirties and think everything is cool. I'm gonna wait till I'm forty to like to check my blood pressure to check my no 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 no. We gotta attack this like ASAP uh, for sure. So we talked about age, um, gender. Uh, we know that men are more susceptible to dealing with high blood pressure than women up until a certain age. So up until a certain age, and we typically around age around fifty five. So around the age 55, we kind of see that trend of women dealing with high blood pressure much more frequently than men, right? And for guys, guys just kind of understand why. Like what happens in, in our the 50s for women that make it so that they're more susceptible to dealing with high blood pressure, right? Like, and that's, you know, that's the menopause, right? So menopause around that age is uh, because estrogen is very protective, like you tend to have some barrier, but once you lose it, right, you kind of start catching up to the men. Um, age, uh, we talked about um, age, we talked about gender, uh, race is a big one, right? Me being black, right? Now that's a, it's a whole, it's a whole other host of factors, 
but race plays a significant factor of whether you're going to deal with blood pressure issues. And the biggest, the biggest as far as when I talk about race is the addition of genetics. And you'd be surprised how many people deal with diseases, whether it be blood pressure, cholesterol, cancer, whatever the thing is. And it has nothing to do with what they're doing, but what is in their family history. So a lot of times when we're talking to our patients, we're trying to figure out, hey, how was mom? How was dad? How was grandpa? How was grandma? Like we're trying to figure out the family history because we know, right, that the family history plays a significant factor in dealing with diseases in and of itself, especially at the age you may deal with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, so a lot, I've seen a lot of people are mentioning some of the causes we can deal with, right? So what are causes we can deal with? Uh, diet obviously is going to be a big cause of a factor associated with uh, high blood pressure, especially salt intake or just the types of food, but definitely diet playing a factor. Obesity, um, again, and I, so I, I make our, I separate diet and obesity, right? Because like I said, my patient was a skinny fit guy, right? But he has some genetic issues, right? So diet wasn't really his issue. Obesity wasn't really his issue, right? But he had a lot of weight. We know increased weight can also play a factor in dealing with high blood pressure. Cigarette smoking. Now, if you don't get nothing from me today, if you don't get nothing from me today, there is, there's literally no benefit to cigarette smoking. Any disease you can think about, cigarette smoking makes it worse. I don't know how these folks are still, well, I know how they're still around, but like cigarette smoking is just bad for your body. There is no like silver lining for cigarette smoking, right? So cigarette smoking, get, get that up out of here, please, right? Because that's so much a specific factor, right? So um, diet. Um, exercise, well, you know, or lack of, right? A sedentary lifestyle plays a significant role and significant factors in our blood pressure and our control of blood pressure, right? So there's a, so when we're starting thinking about things we can change, things we can address, like I always have to separate, hey, do you, you're, a lot of your issues fall on the stuff that you really can't do nothing about, right? You know, your age, your race, your, your family history, you really can't do nothing about that. So we gotta we gotta factor on stuff what we call the modifying issues, right? We can modify our diet, we can modify our weight, we can modify our dietary intake, we can modify whether you know alcohol use, that's a big one, uh cigarette use. Those are things we can kind of change. We can't really change stuff on the left-hand column here. Right? That that's really the big issue at hand. So you have this, we have our causes, right? So we know like, hey, these are some of our risk factors associated with dealing with. Now, of course, diagnosis is easy, right? Diagnosis is you're going to see your doctor. Someone mentioned earlier, I wish I would have highlighted it, and he kind of mentioned a good factor of white coat, right? White coat syndrome, aka, because if this is a this is not like some made up thing, right? There are a lot of people that just the thought of going to see the doctor raises their blood pressure up. Think about that. Not even getting into the doctor's office. Like you're not even at the doctor's office yet. Just you saying, oh, man, I got to go see my doctor. I don't know what Dr. Barry about to tell me. Like, he may tell me I have cancer. I don't know what he's about to tell me. Just that thought alone has people blood pressure rise. So I'm big on if I see your blood pressure on the high normal side, especially if you when I was doing outpatient medicine, I say, hey, well, you know what I need you to do? I need you to go to Publix, right? I need you to go to Walmart. I need you to go to Walgreens. I need you to go to these pharmacies. Check your blood pressure when you're at home. When you're away from me, like let's 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 get a quick little journal, maybe a three to five day journal of what your blood pressure looks like away from the doctor's office, because if it's high in the doctor's office, 
and it's high over there, all right, you got high blood pressure. Like, we're not, we can't really go from that, right? But if it's high at the doctor's office and it's normal, like consistently normal outside the doctor's office, then I can say, all right, you maybe have what we call white cold hypertension. And we just, I have to, obviously, I let my MA know that. I let the people know that I put it in your chart so we don't go crazy giving you medications that you don't necessarily need, right? So extremely important uh, from that perspective there. Let's see. Let me make sure we catch up on our... I, pre I appreciate all the comments. I'm seeing a lot of people here. A lot of people are checking their um, blood pressure. I love to see it. Oh, Valsarin, that's another one. We'll talk, we'll talk about uh, the different classes of medications here. Let me see here. Someone, someone says they uh, syndicate five newspapers. Uh, oh, uh, DM me. Uh, someone said they write for uh, five newspapers. They want me to write for them. Well, I love it, right? Uh, the center pro is not good. I had a reaction to it. Ooh, so oh, let me let me highlight this, right? And we'll talk, like I said, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about medications. Uh, but someone said like, hey, uh, the center pro was not good for me. I had a reaction to it. Swollen lips. So my pre, if I have any pre meds, med students on the live, you already know, right? When we talk about medications and we talk about reactions, especially blood pressure medications. That is classic. That is like, I'm going to see this on a board exam classic. Hey, I took a medication in this class, which is lisinopril, the class that lisinopril is in. And I came back with either a cough or I came back with swollen lips, swollen throat. So it is a, and I don't want to say it's a common reaction, but if you tell me you're on a blood pressure medication that caused your lips to swell, I'm going to likely guess lisinopril. Like that is how those two kind of go hand in hand. And there are, there is a propensity for people to have these types of reactions. And it usually, it's not like off the first go, not like, oh, I took it once and then it happened. Some people could be taking that medication for weeks and then all of a sudden, boom, it pops up, right? So I, I do love that she pointed it out because that is a very common thing. Um, someone said, I've been 150 over 90 for the past 20 years. I believe each person DNA different, no bad issues. Uh, so someone said, I've been, uh, their blood pressure has been 150 over 90 for the past Two decades, I believe each person's DNA is different, no med issues. So again, you have some people who live on the low to normal side. Now, I would, again, I would argue, right? Our body, again, our body does a great job. So your body may be able to deal with that blood pressure being 150, 190 for quite some time. But one day, it may not be able to deal with it, right? Now, would I be telling you to get on a medication that automatically drops your blood pressure down to you know, 110 over 70 tomorrow? No, because what typically happens is once our bodies get kind of used to dealing with high to normal blood pressures, like that's what it's used to. So if I turn around and drop you to a low norm, which is really a normal blood pressure, right, per se, we look at the textbooks, right, you're not gonna feel as great because your body's used to dealing with that. So again, it is something I would keep an eye on Right, but as long as you know, as long as you got good follow up, your doctor's keeping uh, a good eye on you. I'm I'm okay with that from that standpoint. Yeah, someone said too much salt, indeed, uh, too much salt, and then we kind of mentioned the diet aspect of it following up with blood pressure because, and now when I say too much salt, there are some people who yes, their dietary intake causes them to take in too much salt, and what does too much salt do? Too much salt causes us to retain fluid. And if we're retaining fluid, guess what? Our blood pressure rise. Now, there are other people who, from a genetic perspective, they you can have the same amount of salt content as someone else. Let's say two grams, two grams of salt uh, intake as someone else. 
But for some reason, there are genetic uh, factors where that if I take two grams, it affects me more. It causes me to retain more fluid. It causes my blood, pr blood pressure to rise more than someone else who also re uh, takes a two grams. So yes, uh, uh, salt, uh, two grams is low for everyone who may not realize. Again, I don't know if people realize. Like again, and I'll tell you, I'm not a nutritionist, uh, but I think a lot of people would be surprised if they uh, factored in and counted how much salt they actually take in on a daily basis. So, so like a two gram diet of salt is a low salt diet. Like that's what we consider a low salt diet. So, but there are some people who just don't react well with having uh, salt intake in their system. Right? It is unfortunate uh, from that perspective. There. As someone says, cayenne pepper daily uh, in water helps high blood pressure. So, and one thing I love about blood pressure, right? One thing, one thing I just love about medicine in general, right, is there's never one specific way to do things for the most part, right? And when we talk about the dietary aspect of blood pressure, we understand that there are medication. There's a lot of medications out there, and there's a lot of nutritional supplements out there as well that help, right? And I'm always listening to both, right? Because no one will know more than your patient in how to control their blood pressure. Like I said, I read, I can read the textbooks all day, but if your patient says, hey, every time I take, mag if I take magnesium nightly, my blood pressure drops, I'm rocking with them. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. You, you got that uh, from, from that perspective. So it definitely is interesting um, the different ways you can work and control your blood pressure. Now, I'm not sure how cayenne paper may necessarily help, but if it works, right, we like to do the stuff that actually works uh, for sure. Let's see here. Uh, Lucky Aurora Star says, I got serious about my health. I'm down 30 pounds so far. I lower my blood pressure. Amazing. And first of all, congratulations. Congratulations, right? One, just taking yourself uh, and your health serious. Like, like, I think that's more important than anything else, right? Because a lot, and again, it's the triggers is different for everyone, right? Some people are just kind of just naturally motivated to always be about their health. Um, some people, they see their family members, you know, deal with illness. They don't want to necessarily deal with it. Some people have an illness affect them. You'd be surprised the amount of patients I take care of that after the heart attack, you know, they, they turn into like this health machine and they're the best person you've ever seen, right? So sometimes it takes different events, but I'm glad that you know, you said, I'm going to take my health serious. I'm going to lose this weight. And then as a byproduct, right? And that's the beauty, right? As a byproduct, your blood pressure improves, right? As a byproduct, your risk for heart disease and everything improves because you're dealing with the weight, right? So I definitely want to make sure we give a shout out uh, for that. Uh, eat your fruits. Yep. Uh, because it says, eat your fruits, they heal you from high blood pressure, right? Some, some, of them, some of them will do a great job, right? And again, when we eat the fruits, it's getting one of those things where, all right, if I'm eating more fruits here, that means I'm eating less foods that are likely attributing to my blood pressure, right? So again, and this this is one thing I, I think a lot of times, especially now, physicians get this very bad rep about not wanting to like focus on nutrition or stuff outside of, you know, pharmaceutical related medications, right? Anything that you can do, right, to avoid me having to prescribe you medication that's actually beneficial, I, I want you to do it. So yeah, definitely eat your fruits for sure. I see. Oh, I see someone mentioned magnesium and beet juice. Shout out to that. Uh, let me share. Make sure we don't. Oh, uh, living, living life says. Uh, and so, and this is a good. This is a good comment, right? Pharmaceutical companies are driving what is considered normal, right? So now let's let's break it down, right? Let's so what when we talk about this aspect of normal blood pressure. So first and foremost, heart disease. Heart disease 
is and has been the number one killer in the world for decades now. One of the diseases that are associated with heart disease, and one of the biggest ones, is high blood pressure, like direct correlation, high blood pressure, stroke. And when you look at our top 10 causes for death worldwide, high, high heart disease is like number one. I think stroke is like five or six, and it's in that range from that perspective. Um, so a lot of times we just look at the like sheer raw numbers, right? So and when I was a medical student, the, and I kind of mentioned as far as what normal blood pressure is, right? Normal blood pressure is blood pressure uh, less than 120 for top number, less than 80 for the bottom number. And we start considering you having high blood pressure if it goes up to one, over the 130, over 80. But when I was a medical student, that number used to be over 140 and over 90, right? And so, so you're asking yourself, hey, Dr. Barry, like, why did they change it, right? Why did they decrease the threshold, which of course would make more people become hypertensive. Because if you were 130 over uh, 80, when I was a medical student, you, we didn't consider you having high blood pressure. But now that I done moved the threshold down, guess what? Now you're in a high blood pressure. And the reason why they did that is because one, right? And this, uh, this, this, this may, this may not start you. Let me, let's see how much. <laughs> Think about it. high blood pressure costs the United States 131 billion dollars every year which means dealing with the effects of uncontrolled blood pressure costs the United States $131 billion a year. And one thing medicine is good at is spending money at the tail end. So instead of taking care of business in the beginning, making sure people are eating fruits and vegetables and exercising, doing all the stuff in the beginning when it's cheap, even though if you ask people like to go, you know, go shopping and get a shopping cart full of fruits and vegetables, all that stuff, they'll tell you it's not cheap. Um, and the stuff that is cheap, again, tributes to the blood pressure, right? Again, that's not a pharmaceutical thing. That's just uh, if we can open our eyes, this is what we're seeing. So you have this issue here where it's costing the United States a lot of money to deal with the effects of high blood pressure, right? So we need to catch these people earlier as possible, right? So the guidelines move down so we can try to catch these people much earlier. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical industry driving it. It's more of like, hey, we are getting, we are spending a lot of money dealing with this issue and we need to catch these people sooner, right? So it's more, right, of a capitalistic uh, issue, right? And if you, anyone who's followed me uh, on this channel before, first of all, make sure you follow me. Um, you know that I talk a lot about the capitalistic motivations associated with uh, medicine. Uh, let me see, let's see huh? Uh, oh, someone says someone. Oh, oh, shout out to cranberry juice. Cranberry juice is getting a mention here. Garlic definitely getting a mention. Um, CoQ10. I haven't I haven't seen that mentioned yet. Uh, but CoQ10 is definitely uh, an aspect of there. Uh, someone said a lot of frozen foods. Oh yeah, frozen foods. Well, if you think about it, right? For frozen foods to be frozen foods, they have to be preserved, right? And if, if the 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 remedy or the uh, the ingredient that needs to preserve tends to be kind of in that salt driven, right? So that's why, that's why you tend to see uh, that play a factor there. But very good, uh, I got my vegans in here. Uh, yeah, preserved, canned foods, frozen foods, all in that same boat. So what you'll see now, again, now it's it, it's much easier for me to physician to be like, oh, get away, wait away from frozen foods, get away from canned foods. But if you're working with, you know, a set level of finances, the frozen foods and the canned foods are cheaper, right? So 
yeah, it's cool, Dr. Barry, to be like, hey, don't, you know, don't do the frozen foods and stuff, but someone got to pay for my food. Like, if I'm a senior citizen, right, I need to pay for food. Like, go to, again, go to, go to y'all, y'all grandparents' house, right, and see what they got in the cupboard, right? Plenty of canned foods, plenty of frozen foods, right? Because it, it costs money, right, to actually get foods that are fresh and everything else. It costs money to get vegetables. It costs money to get fruits, Right. So it's it's easier for me to be like, oh, just eat the good stuff here, the fresh stuff. But I like I live in reality as well, too. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot a lot of teas are definitely I've I've seen beneficial. A lot of my patients will recommend it. Uh, oh, someone said they've been checking blood pressure 140 over 90. Yeah. So, again, 140 over 90. That's that. That's that. When you get to the point where your blood pressure is 140 over 90, or really, that's when you say, oh, you definitely likely need at least one medication as well as as well as changing the modifying factors, right? So when we're talking about treating blood pressure, when before we start listing medications, I say, hey, I need you to see if I can help you address the things that we can adjust, like diet, exercise, um, the types of food you're eating, like let's smoking, alcohol. Let's see if we can adjust those things there. And then let's add a medication on. If never, let's just add a medication on because I can add a medication on. But if all of these, if the stuff on this side, the diet ain't right, the you know the the weight ain't right, you're still smoking, you're still drinking, it ain't gonna matter. It ain't gonna matter, right? And now, and and I'm just talking about the things that affect. Now, there's other diseases that will also cause you to have a blood pressure as well, right? And that kind of goes hand in hand when we when we get to that final point of like heart disease being number one killer, stroke being number one, like top five, top six killer. Right, because if you're diabetic, you can have high blood pressure issues. If you have kidney issues, you can have high blood pressure issues. If you have issues with your thyroid, you can have high blood pressure issues. Right, so it's not necessarily a direct line of sight as far as like, oh, you have this now, you have high blood pressure. You can have a disease process that causes you to also have high blood pressure as well, too. So it's and again, when you have a good doctor, right, your doctor is gonna map out this whole process of all of the things affecting your blood pressure, right? Because it's usually, it's usually not just one. Uh, from, from that perspective there. Oh, uh, Harper says, um, hours before our son was born, blood pressure was 289 over 210. And if my, and I, I, I know Dr. Dooley's off here, um, that is, right, hypertensive emergency. It's not uncommon for our pregnant patients to have significant uncontrolled blood pressures to the point where that baby's got to come out now, right? Like that blood pressure alone is enough, especially depending on the time, is enough for the OB to say, hey, you need to go to the hospital or that baby needs to come out, right? Because a lot of times the baby is a primary factor of why that blood pressure shoots up. And then once they get the baby out, blood pressure goes back to normal. Um, so I'm definitely glad, or hopefully, hopefully you're glad, uh, hope you're okay uh, from that perspective there. Uh, oh, this is so. This is a good question, right? And then we can kind of lean into some of our prescribed medication, right? So Valsartan and HCTZ. So this is two medications. Now let me show you how bad it's gotten in this country, right? I, I read some of the numbers as far as blood pressure is concerned. It's gotten so bad in this country as far as high blood pressure is that one medication ain't good enough no more, right? Now if usually if you walk in, you have high blood pressure, it's borderline. Let's say one forty over ninety, like we kind of mentioned earlier. I, I could probably get away with starting you on like HCTZ, right? That's a water, that's what most people know it as a water pill. I can get away with getting you, uh, giving you a water pill, right? And why, why is the water pill great? 
right? Because we're going to get water out of your body, right? If we get water out of your body, guess what? We get salt out of your body. We get salt out of your body, guess what? Blood pressure drops. So that's why water pill is amazing. Now, the thing that happens is, let's say your blood pressure is so high that, you know what? That one pill is just not good enough no more, right? Now I got to give you a second pill, right? Valsartan. Valsartan is a very common combo medication. Like, and I kind of mentioned, especially when it comes to just taking medications in general, the easier you can make it for your patient, the better, right? So instead of me having you to remember to take two pills, at the same time, I say, hey, you know what? Take this one pill and I got two medications in one pill, right? So I'm able to kill two birds with one stone. I'm able to get two medications in your system. And because you only have to take one pill, it's usually much easier to remember. Because we remember the numbers. Uh, out of those of high blood pressure, only one in four have it under control. Reason being is that you may end up having to take one or two different blood pressure medications. Sometimes people, some people are taking three different blood pressure medications. Yes, the blood pressure is that bad. And one is in the morning. One is in the morning, afternoon, at night. One is only at night. Like you can see how easily, and again, obviously we're, if we're young, we're smart, we're, we're sharp. It's, oh, of course I would remember to taking it in the morning, afternoon. Like what happens if you get busy at nighttime? What happens if you're, you're rushing in the morning, right? You forget to take your morning blood pressure, right? It's very easy to miss a blood pressure medication. So anytime, like I said, that, that combo drug uh, that Mr. Tommy was taking, anytime you can get a combo drug off, uh, we try to do it because we know that helps. That helps increase your compliance. And we know two medications will definitely help, should, I should say, will definitely help bring uh, that blood pressure down. Uh, someone, said, <laughs> someone said, let me go eat banana. <laughs> Uh, what's my alma? I'm from Florida State uh, for undergrad and Nova Southeastern for medical school. Someone's asking me what my alma matter, alma matter was. Um, someone says it's scary. Uh, no, no, it's not scary talk, right? This is, you know, someone said it's scary talk. No, no, no. This is, this is just, we, we got to make these conversations so just like, ah, oh, blood pressure. Yeah, I check my blood. We got to make it so common, so relaxing, right? So you know to check your blood pressure next time you go to Walgreens or CVS or Publix, or depending on, I'm, I'm in South, so we got Publix out here. I'm not sure what y'all got, uh, where y'all at, right? We got to make these conversations very common, right, to speak of, right? We can't be scared of blood pressure, right? Why? Because it's it's a part of attributing to the number one killer for the past couple decades, right? Heart disease has been kicking butt for the past couple decades, even probably longer, even probably longer, right? And blood pressure has played a significant uh, factor. So we got we got to make we got to make talking about a high blood pressure fun because once your blood pressure is controlled, there's nothing you have to think about, right? And again, it's and it's kind of going back to that silent killer. One of the issues that occur is that let's say you walk in, your blood pressure is high. I give you medication because hey, your blood pressure is high. But you're like, doc, I don't even feel nothing right now. I said, I know you don't feel nothing, but you may feel something in ten to fifteen years. I'm like, all right, cool, doc. You take the medication. And the medication will make you feel no different, except that when I check your blood pressure, your blood pressure is great. Guess what? You're going to be like, all right, I take this medication. I don't feel nothing. I don't take this medication. I don't feel nothing. You know what? I'm not taking this medication no more. Boom, you have a heart attack and stroke, right? Not to say that it happens like that, but that is that is how that cycle typically occurs, right? When, when you're dealing with, let's say, pain, let's say, oh, your, your back hurts. When you're dealing with back pain, you know that, hey, once I take a medication, I no longer have back pain. I feel good. So you kind of respect back pain a little bit more. But when it comes with the blood pressure, you don't typically respect blood pressure like that because 
you know, as long, as long as it ain't, you know, crazy high, like, you know, that top number in the 180s, 190s, 200s, you don't really feel a difference until you go into the doctor or you're going to the hospital because you had a heart attack or a stroke, right? And you don't want to do that. <laughs> Run back to that. Let's see. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We'll make sure we don't miss anything. Oh, hey, Millie. Millie's on on the live. Appreciate you. Uh, someone said, <laughs> "What does the?" Honestly, I'm not sure what someone asked. What does the Amish do for high blood pressure? I'm not sure what the Amish does uh, for blood pressure. Um, especially because you know, I don't know. I don't know how good our numbers are as far as documenting, like how their blood pressure is. So I, that's something I have to look up to. Uh, per the FDA, disease going to be treated with medication? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, preeclampsia. Yep, someone mentioned it, preeclampsia. Yeah, when that blood when you're pregnant and your pressure rises up to that level, you are e not even that's at that point you're not even pre, you're eclamptic. It's like something is happening uh ASAP. <laughs> something is happening ASAP and we need to take care of it uh ASAP for sure. Uh someone says I'm in medical school starting cl clinicals next month. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations, Red Yada, uh, starting clinicals. Clinicals is the best. Let me tell you, right, well, a quick little side note. As a medical student, I tell my medical students all the time, the best time of your medical school life is your third year of medical school, right? Or however that works when you're starting clinicals. That clinical year, when you're just kind of going through, you know, one month you're a family med, one month you're a turnist, one month you're a surgeon, one month you're an OB, one month you're, you know, ER, whatever that thing is, best time of your life. Fourth year sucks. Fourth year sucks, right? Because you decide, hey, I want to do X for the rest of my life. So then you go through like four or five months of rotations where I'm only doing that. And you have to be on your A game because you think if you miss one pimp question, you're not going to be in our residency. So enjoy, enjoy your clinicals. Uh, the best time for sure. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, yes, red, red yeast for rice for cholesterol. Indeed. Let's see here. Make sure we don't. Yeah, canned foods are definitely high in sodium for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I like. I like. And thank you, to Nicole, for mentioning that. There are definitely some uh, uh, canned foods that are low in sodium, and that and you have to be. And that's why it's about intention, right? So if you have family members, if you have patients who you know, like that's how that's how they get down, right? They gotta eat something. Right, they gotta eat. They gotta store the foods. Right, they gotta have frozen foods. They gotta have canned foods. You have to like, hey, I need you to be intentional and in choosing the ones that are low sodium. Right, I need you to be intentional with it and find other ways to make it taste better. Right, because you know people when they say sodium, oh, you take the sodium out, I can't taste it well. You gotta figure out ways to make it taste better without adding additional sodium uh, to your diet. Uh, from their standpoint, uh, yeah, patients typically. Uh, nurse butter says, uh, patients typically, oh, let me, let me highlight her pen. Patients typically don't want to hear this, right? Yeah. When we're talking about just blood pressure and just, um, you know, things that can, you can do to avoid it. It, it, a lot of patients don't want to hear that the majority of issues probably aiding to your blood pressure are stuff that you can avoid, right? They love it. If I say, yeah, you know what? Family history, your age, your gender, that you can't really do nothing about that, but that's why you have low pressure. But when I start saying, hey, that cigarette smoking, hey, that diet, hey, your sedentary lifestyle, hey, when you start adding that, they start, ah, oh, doc, I, I don't want to hear it. So and I, I definitely agree. Patients typically don't want to uh, follow up from that perspective there. Uh, yeah, fresh produce is definitely expensive. No, that's the thing. It's, again, it's, and, I, and 
as a physician, I think a lot of times we typically will we'll get lost in that, right? Because we'll be we'll be kind of sitting on our high horse telling our patients, oh, just take this medication here and just eat better and just do this and just do that, not realizing, not realizing that I'm telling this person that, hey, I need you to spend maybe, you know, 30% more on food, right? I need you to spend, you know, uh, you know, 10% less time, you know, taking care of your kids and go work out. For some, like, I'm telling you to change your whole life around. And we just say like, oh, you need to do this, 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 and that and see me in three months, right? So we, we have to be very, we just got to be very honest with ourselves, right? And I think, again, um, you know, when, and I think I, I, I blame, I'm not blame, uh, but I think, I think the fact that I do have a public health degree, that when I'm talking to patients, I'm always, I'm always thinking about like, okay, yeah, I'm talking to this person right here, but like, they got family issues. There's a whole community behind them that this may not be as easy as I'm just kind of like talking to on my soapbox here. Uh, someone said I saw a video that uh, that cholesterol are not bad at all. No, but you know this this is an issue issue with cholesterol, right? Does cholesterol have a function in our body? Yes, it has a function in our body. It it it's it tar as far as um line, no, get more scientific specific, right? But as far as helping spread messages out, line, myelin sheath, it it has some function. The problem is just like everything, you can have too much of a good thing. Right. So you can have when cholesterol does the too much, a.k.a. Hey, I'm producing a lot of cholesterol. I don't know where to deposit it. Oh, let me deposit it right here. And the right here be a vessel in your heart. The right here be a vessel in your um, your your brain. Right. And then it just keeps piling, keeps piling, keeps piling. And by the time next thing you know, boom, you have a lack of blood flow. Boom, we have a heart attack. Right. So it's just one of those things where. Like, yes, there's, is, does cholesterol have a function in our system? 100%. 100%. You can't have no cholesterol in the system. That'd be a problem. Um, but to say that, like, it can't cause a problem uh, is incorrect as well, too, right? So it's just one of those things where it's more nuanced in the conversation. It's all right, what specific cholesterol we're talking about, what function are we referring to, and, and trying to kind of go down that path there for sure. Let's see here. Someone said, thank you for having a good conversation on here. Pose the sensationalist mess. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I only eat chicken and yogurt. Shout out to that. Shout out to that. Let's see here. Uh, oh, good question. Um, Lisinopril ARB is the first line for high blood pressure. So, good question. So, in the, the guidelines, in the guidelines is, it starts out with the uh, water pills, right? Because that's usually typically the easiest, right? Um, the hydrochlorothiazide, the thiazide diuretics, again, not to get specific, but usually the water pills, right? We'll just do that. Is usually the ones, right? Now, if you have to move on to water pills, like you say, hey, you know, I need something a little bit stronger because water pills do work great for blood pressure, but they're not the strongest for blood pressure, right? Especially the thiazide diuretics or um, HETZs. That's when your ACE inhibitors, lisinopril, your ARBs, valsartan, um, people mentioned lasartans, another people, um, another a very common medication, especially because it's generic, um, uh, happens, right? We mentioned uh, misamlodipine, that's uh, a calcium channel blocker, also another great medication for blood pressure. Uh, so we got, we got different classes of medications, water pill, uh, ACE inhibitors, ARBs, calcium channel blockers work great for blood pressure. Uh, there's some other medications in terms of that help with blood pressure, but not are that aren't really the best. Now, it, depending on how old you are, 
right? If you walk into my if you walk into my office, right? If I had an office, but if you walked into my office and the only medication you were on for blood pressure was a beta blocker, I would know that you're probably like 50, 60 years old, right? Because back in the day, beta blockers were like the first line medication. Just like when I say the water pills are the first line medication, back in the day, the beta blockers were. But we have so much other um, and better medications for blood pressure that we don't, we, we let beta blockers be like the fourth in line. Right. So if I like no one's going to start you on a beta blocker specifically for your blood pressure. Right. Usually the water pills, usually ACE inhibitors, usually the ARBs, usually your calcium channel blockers, those kind of kind of fall in line. They're really just a matter of uh, side effects. It's a matter of because your water pills, your, your, ACE, your ACE inhibitors, your ARBs, um, they go and work through the kidney. So guess what? If you have kidney problems, guess what medication I can't give you? Right. So they work through the kidney. If you have kidney problems, uh, I'm going to be I'm not, and I say can't give you, but I'm be very I'm going to be very cautious. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Um, calcium channel blockers might rise to the top just because of that. Um, but let's say you have issues with calcium channel blockers. You're allergic. Um, calcium channel blockers, the way they work is because they cause dilation of the vessels, right, which help drop your blood pressure, right? But if you have dilation, aka kind of expanding of the vessels, you can have edema, right? So a lot of patients will complain that they have ankle edema or lower extremity edema from their calcium channel blockers. Some people get reflux real bad from calcium channel blockers, so we keep them off of that, right? So as 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 your doctor, right, we always are trying to figure out like, okay, I put I put this over here, but I got to worry about this getting pulled out over there, right? And again, it's a it's a fine science. That's what you know. That's why they pay us the big bucks uh, to do so. <laughs> a patient gets so angry when we talk about not eating all that salt and quit smoking. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 she's not she's not being hyperbolic, right? Some people will like, and we're not even talking about diabetes. That's a whole nother conversation, right? But some people, you start telling them what they can't and not do, they they don't want no parts of it. They've been eating this way for 10, 15, 20, 30 plus years. They don't want no part of you telling them what they're not going to eat or drink. Right? Oh, I can't smoke. What do you mean I can't smoke? Like, nah, you got like doc, find a different way. And those be the patients who typically need two or three medications because like they're still doing the stuff that needs to be modified, but they're not modifying it. So now I have to treat for that too. Like I have to give you a medication, put a little extra on it because you still smoke, right? Put a little extra on it because you're still taking in a whole bunch of salt. Put a little extra, like so it's, when you see a patient's on two or three different medications, a lot of times it's because the modifying risk factors that they have, they're not really adjusting uh, appropriately or as, as as they can. But you know, as, as, as uh, doctors, we do what we can. We're gonna uh, take care of it by the way. Uh, oh, someone said, oh, this is a good question. Why uh, does blood pressure and diabetes often go hand in hand? So that's more, that is more of a aspect of like genetics, right? So people who tend to deal with issues with high blood pressure typically also deal with issues of uh, diabetes in and of itself, right? Um, diabetes, I tell people all the time, is not, even though we talk about diabetes being like about the sugar, Diabetes is a very vascular disease. Like diabetes is probably the one of I I say it, one of the worst vascular diseases that we know of. We just know of it as blood sugar. But when you think about all of the different issues that are affected by diabetes, it's vascular, vascular, vascular. 
right? So that's why you tend to see those things kind of go hand in hand, especially, and then when we, when you kind of tie in diet, right? Boom. Like you have this kind of recipe for two diseases at the same time. So you see a lot of people, it's not uncommon for a lot of people to be pre-diabetic and have high blood pressure issues, right? Just because of the diet and sedentary lifestyle and sprinkling that genetics, uh, that, play, that plays a factor there too. Oh yeah, shout out to hydralazine. We like hydralazine. Um, it's another medication that works for uh, blood pressure. It's usually like fourth line. So it's usually not one of the first medications I may give you. But again, if there's pre-existing issues where I can't, like I can't give you ACE inhibitors or ARBs when you're pregnant, right? That's a contraindication. Um, I may give you a medication like hydralazine. Um, one of the side effects typically with hydralazine is that it can cause patients to have an elevated heart rate. So that is something we kind of keep an eye on. But hydralazine is definitely a good one uh, for sure. Uh, Carvedilol is a, uh, shout out to uh, Belly, Carvedilol is a very good blood pressure medication. Uh, well, a very good medication just in general. And in regards to the beta blockers, in regards to the beta blockers, it's one of your stronger beta blockers for blood pressure. Now, again, if you told me, hey, I got to start you on one medication for blood pressure, I'm not choosing Carvedilol. But if you're telling me I have to choose a beta blocker, which is Carvedilol, um, to treat your blood pressure, then I'm going to choose Carvedilol, if, if, if you kind of understand what I mean. So it's not a first-line medication for blood pressure, but I've, if I've gotten to the point where I've got to treat you with a beta blocker, I'm going to choose Carvedilol because it, it works great for blood pressure and it works excellent for heart disease. It's typically a medication we give our um, heart disease patients, our stroke-related patients. That's typically um, in, in that sense there. Uh, someone says, oh, a good question, right? Why is there so many different types of blood pressure medications? Because there's so many different ways to affect your blood pressure. So there's so many different ways to affect your blood pressure, either with me getting salt out of your system, either with me um, you know, decreasing how much work your heart is doing, either with me working on the actual kidneys, because we know kidney disease and just the kidneys itself deal with about 25% of a cause of dealing with your just blood pressure system, right? So if you have bad kidneys, right, your, your whole system takes a hit as far as your blood pressure concern. So you have to have so many different medications that may attack, I don't say attack, but it kind of is, uh, attack one aspect of why your blood pressure is high than another. So that's why you typically have so many different types. Because again, I may need a water pill, but all right, water pills don't do good for you. Um, you know, for whatever reason. All right, I may do is ACE inhibitors of lisinopril. Uh, you have the swollen lips after the lisinopril. Boom, that's out of there, right? Uh, ARBs, nope, kidney function. Get that out of here, right? Like, so you have to have different ways to kind of affect someone's blood pressure uh, because of the different ways that someone um, can actually have and develop the blood pressure. But that is a very good question uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, Lasarin's a good one. Uh, we like Lasarin. We like this. I like that. Lasarin is good for me because it works great uh, and it's cheap, right? Anything that is great and cheap will always be a, a positive uh, for me. Um, yeah, someone said they had a heart attack. Blood pressure was two thirty five or 80, 185. Yeah, it's again. It just comes. It becomes that factor that when your pressure system is so high, right? When the system uh, of your body is so there's so much to deal with, your heart just be like, oh, I'm, I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. And it just poop, and it comes out, right? So definitely having uncontrolled blood pressure will lead to like the amount of stress needed, right? And the way I try to like visually think about it for my patients, 
Like think about, let's say you're trying to go outside. Let's say you're trying to go outside and someone that is, let's say, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep it with the diet, right? Some 400 pound person is standing in front of the door, right? Is it going to be easy to get out that door or harder to get out the door? No, it's going to be harder, right? So you're going to have to force and force and force and strain yourself to try to get out that door. But if someone is 100 pounds, right, and they're standing in front of the door, yeah, you're going to move them right out the way, right? So when, when you think about dealing with blood pressure that is 235, that's like that 400-pound person sitting in front of your door, right? And they're not moving, and they're forcing you to have to try to work all your strength just to get through them. Right, and a lot of people cannot. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Like, uh, uh, I'm gonna have a stroke. Right, a lot of people cannot deal with that. Um, and when your blood pressure is 235 or 180, guess what's also take a beating? Your kidneys. Your kidneys are taking a beating. We said, I think we said last week on the show, number one and number two causes for chronic kidney disease and patients ending up on dialysis is high blood pressure and diabetes. Right. So again, your kidneys are consistently taking a beating, consistently trying to get past this 400 pound person that's in their way and is having to work and work and work until it can't work no more. And once it can't work no more, boom, all of a sudden you come to see a nephrologist because you, you need dialysis. Right. So definitely. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's important for sure uh, from, from that standpoint. Uh, yeah. Oh, some blood pressure cause issues. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Vision. I mean, vision issues of itself, right? It's when 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 you have such strain in the body, right? Which which is what blood pressure does, right? Again, it, it's a silent killer. So it's not like it's letting you know like it's straining you. It's just slowly straining the systems in your body, right? The eyes, the, a lot of blood vessels in your eyes as well too, right? So if, again, that same issue. If the blood pressure is so 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 bad. Guess what? Right? Like I'm gonna run into problems in and of itself. And you can definitely have some vision issues or concerns. Again, uh blood pressure and diabetes. Again, like it'll it'll be like a broken record, but blood pressure and diabetes also affect vision, probably like the number one and the number two causes for vision loss worldwide um, as well. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, shout out to Ole Miss Sartin. Uh opinion. Oh, you know, this is a good question, right? Because it, it comes aspect of kind of testing right so the way we look at any of these testing right even when i'm mentioning you know Publix, walgreens and all this, it's not like their blood pressure cuffs are so amazing the reason why we want you checking it is we want you to have some type of consistency as far as what your numbers look like so if you're if you have the wrist cuff monitors right and you're taking your blood pressure from the wrist because trust me they do this in the hospital all the time right if they have if let's like, say you're a really big person they really can't get like they'll 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 put a, a blood pressure cuff around your foot right so like we're gonna try to get some blood pressure right and we just have to from a clinical standpoint say okay based off where you got the blood pressure what am I gonna deal with that right so so wrist is not bad at all especially it's just a matter of getting a consistent blood pressure like all right every morning i check my blood pressure is in this every evening i check my blood pressure is this um so yeah definitely a fan of the wrist cuff monitors because again that just helps you take it at home and it's easier right because for those especially if you got blood pressure you know you need a whole second person to kind of wrap it around your arm now nah, you can boom, boom i put it around my wrist and I, I i relax and then i just let it go so definitely a fan of that for sure let's see Oh, someone said, don't take uh, advice from a DO. I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear it. Uh, let's see. Well, we got that question. Uh, 
Uh, oh, oh, this is a good question. I'm really asked. Uh, is there any um, BP cost specifically? So we there's nothing specific, right? So if if you have someone, uh, especially if you have a partner at the house who can help you do it, uh, we prefer you getting the ones that go around. Uh, you know uh, the the arm because that's typically where you get it. Typically where we test it right above the elbow. But let's say you don't. Let's say you're by yourself, right? You don't have no one to uh, consistently check it. The ones that you know right around the wrist are are good money for me. Very good money for me for sure. Uh, pain for sure with the yeah, Nicole and Nicole and Nicole's hitting it tonight. Uh, pain automatically uh, raises it. Oh yeah, which which is and that's why it's it's so important for us to kind of know all right what is going on. Right. Like, why is your blood pressure, you know, the way it is? Right. Is there like obvious reason that we can say, oh, that's why your blood pressure is high. Right. Because, again, we don't want to we don't want we don't want to write the Cinepril and water pill uh, medications all day uh, unless we have to. Right. We don't want to do it. Um, so we got to figure out, like, all right, is there under underlying factors that may be associated uh, with your blood pressure uh, from that standpoint there? Let's see here. Uh, Kevin says wrist ones are inaccurate. Yeah, no, like I said, it's again, again, the accuracy is it's one of those things. It's just more consistent. Like, cause if you have a wrist one, and your blood pressure is always high on the wrist one, all right, your blood pressure is gonna. And then you check it in Walgreens, it's high over there. All right, yeah, you got high blood pressure, right? So it's just more of a matter of just finding a consistent um, process of checking your blood pressure. Now again, I don't want y'all to, especially if you don't have any, if you don't have any medical issues. I don't want y'all to have to check y'all every single day, right? But like checking it consistently enough to say like, oh yeah, when I checked my blood pressure that time, it was so-and-so uh, from, from that standpoint there. So a very, very good, very good question. Uh, let's see. Shout out to the raw, the raw vegans are in the building. Like I said, we we, we love the we love the vegans. And I'll tell you, um, and then uh, someone said uh, Western diet, right? So I will tell you, uh, when it comes to nutrition, and you know my nutritionist uh, will definitely tell you as well too, right? Your doctor likely isn't the best person, right? They likely aren't the best person to talk about nutrition unless they were like were really gung ho about nutrition, right? Because most medical school curriculums may have like a you know a four week class. Hey, this is what you need to know about nutrition, and then we go to residency and we definitely don't talk about it. Um, so anytime you can get an expert advice on nutrition or someone who really focuses on that, always lean towards that, uh, more than anything else, because again, you know, our training, you know, focuses it, focuses us, us on, you know, knowing that lisinopril and ACEs and ARBs and like, we do a good job over there, but we don't do a great job over there. Um, and you know, someone's mentioned about the bad diet and Western diet and everything else. Yeah. Like it's, it plays a factor. It plays a factor for sure. When you have certain foods that they won't even serve in other parts of the world, but they say we're here fine, right? Like, like I would have to be silly not to assume that our food is playing a significant factor. I would just have to be silly, right? And we, you know, we're not silly over here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, so, oh, this week has a question. Now, as I said, I'm, I'm on three different blood pressure meds, peronolactone, amlodipine, propanolol. Why? That, I'm not sure, right? Now, I can't tell you that those are three different blood pressure Medications, spironolactone, not necessary for blood pressure. Um, typically, when we think about spironolactone, um, it's usually for like heart disease and patients who suffer from heart disease or suffer from liver-related issues. Um, that's typically when we're thinking about uh, spironolactone and propanolol. Um, so I'm not sure necessarily why. So again, spironolactone is there, uh, but it's not necessary for blood pressure. It does kind of help 
uh, with that process, but it's it's definitely not one of the medications that I would put you on if you had high blood pressure issues. But if you have heart disease, there is some cardioprotective factors associated with spironolactone. Propanolol is another one, cardioprotective factor, but not necessarily great for um, blood pressure, which is which isn't uncommon. You could be on a lot of different medications that yeah, they also work for blood pressure, but they're not giving it to you for blood pressure. Um, and that's just more, you know, you got to talk to your doctor uh, to figure out why they chose uh, that combination uh, than the other. Um, oh, it's, oh, I, I love this. Like Haley says, um, uh, talks about kind of some of the outside factors, right? So we mentioned how blood pressure issues play a factor. We mentioned how diabetes, uh, and, I mean, diabetes, uh, cholesterol, thyroid, kidney function, sleep apnea is a huge one. There are a lot of people with uncontrolled high blood pressure, and it's because they have uh, undiagnosed sleep apnea, right? And we could we could probably do a whole discussion on just sleep apnea in itself. So, and sleep apnea has been definitely one of the more, um, I say, popular diagnoses of the past maybe decade and a half, um, where you have a lot of doctors who are focusing and specializing in sleep medicine. Like that is how significant it's become a part of our system. So yeah, definitely uncontrolled uh, sleep apnea will definitely play a factor, right? You can be on the best medications, but if your sleep apnea is not controlled, not regulated, it don't even matter. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely glad you mentioned that uh, from that perspective there. Let's see. I, I don't think, it's, it's, this is a good question, right? And uh, oh yeah, was, oh, about, about the hour. Oh, nice, nice. I don't think it's ever a bad idea, right, to incorporate plant-based diet. Now, am I saying you should go full plant-based diet? Yeah, like I said, I ain't a nutritionist, right? It's, you know, I, I can't recommend something that I won't do. Um, but like, I know people who have benefits from it. Um, so it's just really a matter of, hey, you know, what is my diet like? What are, what is my nutritional intake? What are things that I can replace? or kind of take in that may be a benefit, right? So again, maybe maybe not 100% plant-based, but maybe, you know, you incorporate it two, three days out of the week um, where, you know, you have a lot more plants, especially if you're already deficient in getting it with your typical diet uh, from that perspective, right? So again, de definitely, um, definitely agree that some plant-based diet uh, is beneficial. And, but I think a lot of that is because a lot of us are very deficient and the things that we would typically get from a plant-based diet, like this, just by nature, uh, we're deficient in that uh, from from that perspective. There. For sure. Uh, make sure, make sure we know. Oh, someone said. Uh, oh no, I just skipped a, a question. Um, someone's asking about um, beet uh, root supplements. I'm just not familiar with it. Uh, but if it works, I'm with it. If it works, I'm with it. Uh, let's see here. Make sure we don't miss anything out here. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with the. asking about the GLP medications. I'm not familiar with the what GLP medications um, you're referring to. Uh, let's see. Let's see. All right, man. Yeah, dash diet is better than a vegan for high blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, dash diet again just kind of helps with that low sodium. Uh, uh, oh, this, you know, it's actually a very good question, right? So someone says, when is it best to check? I like 
for my patients to check in the morning and then in the evening. Um, but like, it, it's a really a matter of when can you check it consistently? Let's, if you can consistently check it in the evenings, like, you know, like, all right, let me, let me get my 7 p.m. blood pressure on. Boom. Let me, you know, write it out for a week or so. Then I'm cool with that. But it, because if you have high blood pressure, whether you have it in the morning or evening, you're going to catch it. So it's, it's, and it's not as if like, oh, in the mornings, it'll definitely be high, but by the evening time, it'll cool down. Like if you have it, it's, it's going to be high. Um, so whenever you can check it, but like, I think mornings are great, um, especially because we can uh, kind of factor in like, all right, what type of medication should I give you? Right. Maybe I give you a medication that, you know, that instead of once a day, it's a twice a day medication that cover you over the nighttime. So it's just a matter of uh, your doctor may want to do it just to kind of guide uh, their game plan. But uh, from the standpoint, whichever one you can do consistently is, is always uh, good money for us. Uh, let's see. Uh, look, so we'll get uh, we'll get a couple more questions. So, uh, oh, we'll get this question here. Um, so we'll do two more questions and we get about here. Are the symptoms that are not so silent that uh, someone could look out for? So we, when you're dealing with high blood pressure, uh, some of the biggest issues that, again, before we get to you have a heart attack, you have a stroke, um, typically people get headaches. Typ typically people get uh, vision. And someone kind of mentioned how they're, um, you know, they had some vision issues. So blurry vision, double vision. Uh, you'd be surprised how many optometrists will diagnose a patient with high blood pressure, or high cholesterol when they do their eye exam. Right. So because they see it in the eyes. Um, so vision issues, uh, chest discomfort, chest pain that is kind of like waxings and wanes. Um, some people can get short of breath, especially the pressure is very high. Uh, so those are some of like the like what like and easily winded as well like so if if you know normally you're able to you know walk walk down a block with no problem but now half the block you know you kind of whew, like kind of feeling winded um definitely definitely some concerns there that you want to just make sure your blood pressure uh is uh in control of uh for sure um uh, which blood pressure medications affect your kidney typically the ones that we are uh pretty keen on are your water pills are uh, your, um, just the diuretics in and of itself, I'll just leave it as diuretics. Diuretics, your ACE inhibitors, and your ARBs are typically the three that we're like, oh, you got some kidney issues, I need to either keep an eye on it or don't even put you on it um, completely. And someone says, why is atenolol so bad? So atenolol, and we'll, we'll leave this for the last one. Wait, is, uh, so, no, atenolol is not bad, right? It's just, what it is is that if you told me to list the medications to give you for blood pressure, right? Atenolol is gonna be like fifth place, right? But if you tell me, hey, I'm on atenolol for blood pressure, that means you've been on atenolol for a while because atenolol used to be one of the premier medications for blood pressure. So this is one of those things where like, yeah, it works for blood pressure, but like I got so many other better, cheaper options. Well, not cheaper, but like, cause they're all cheap now, uh, most of them. I got so many better options that it's never going to be the first one. So is it a bad medication? No, uh, but it's just not one of the first line medications for uh, blood pressure. Because uh, again, that, that whole class, beta blockers, is just not the class that I would treat, especially if I'm treating for blood pressure. Now, Tenolol uh, works great for people dealing with palpitations, like feeling like their heart's racing, feeling like having tachycardia, especially when their heart's are, uh, above 100. So Tenolol works great for those uh, patients, but if I'm talking specifically for blood pressure, eh, eh. 
I ain't here. Never for a ton of law to do for me here. So, all right. So, all right. It's been an hour, right? I'm actually, like I said, like y'all, y'all asked for a hypertension last week, and I was like, oh yeah, we can talk about hypertension. I, I don't know how many people like want to talk about it. I'm actually surprised a lot of people really want to talk about high blood pressure. Uh, shout out to y'all. Um, I think next week, I think next week we could do. I feel like because I know a lot of people kind of mentioned diabetes. Like I think diabetes might be one to. Kind of hard part, right? Because it's, it's it's some issues in of itself, right? So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's let's focus on. We'll do diabetes. We'll do diabetes. Uh, but leave it in the comments, right? If you want to, um, you know, think of something else you may want to talk about, or obviously follow the page. Um, if you missed any of tonight's episode, I actually post this live on my YouTube channel. It will be up tomorrow morning, say. So it'll be up there tomorrow uh, for those who catch it. Um, if you check my pin folders on my TikTok, I actually have like an infographic, a hypertension. Infographic that's free, you can go get that as well, too. But y'all be blessed, y'all have a great evening, stay safe, and I'm gonna see you guys next week.